The following podcast contains explicit language. As a person who's like taste buds are part of your career, yeah, do you feel it, like you have like a fine connoisseurship of vagina taste? I think so. What does a fine vagina taste like? Mm, like a sunburst tomato. Hey, this is Sex Lives. I'm Maureen O'Connor, and for this week's episode, we went on location to the apartment of Eddie Huang, the best-selling author of Fresh Off the Boat and Double Cup Love, and host of Viceland TV show Huang's World. Hello, how's it going? Hey, hey how are I'm you? Eddie. Nice to meet you. Maureen, Welcome. You. This is Alana. She's my producer. Welcome. Nice, nice to, meet to meet you. you. The apartment was completely empty except for a mattress on the floor a widescreen TV in front of the mattress, and a folding table, which we sat at. <laughs> okay, cool. Are we good? All right. All right. What's up? Hello. Um, Big fan of the show. Yeah, welcome. Long-time listener, first-time guest. Where have you been that you're now living in this empty apartment in Fort Greene? Well, <laughs> I've been in Fort Greene for like seven years. I've, had, I've always like maintained an apartment here. And then I finally, this is the first crib I ever bought. So I saved up my bread and I bought this and I didn't have time to like renovate it or move in yet. But then my pops wanted to see the U.S. open. So he just came and moved my bed out of storage and came in while I was on the road for the show. So he was just here by himself. No, he was with my mom. He was with my mom, but she like came unwillingly. Uh, I see. <laughs> so my Eddie- mom was here. <laughs> she was here. And then my dad set up shop for two weeks and they hung out. They had a good time. And then, uh. I had this like Adidas event. So instead of staying in a hotel, I just kind of stayed here. So um, I want to ask you, so you've been emailing me about your thoughts about dating as an Asian man. And I want to ask you about that. But first, I want to ask about just what dating while Eddie Huang is like. I think I have to have the worst life for dating possible because I'm bi-coastal and I tape a travel show. So, yeah. It's so hard being a TV show host yeah. and traveling the world and having glamour. <laughs> you just can't no, get I laid, hate, I can you? Laid. I mean, you get laid, but you, <laughs> you get laid, but you don't have relationships. Do you know what I mean? It's hard. Yeah. It's definitely super hard. Do you want to be in a relationship? Yeah, I would prefer that. You know, I think that's a big misconception with a lot of dudes, like, especially like yeah. me and my friends, we get a lot of shit from our homegirls that are like, you guys just like to get jumped off and yada, yada. I'm like, no, actually, if you ask any of us, man to man to man, every single one of us would prefer to be in a relationship. You know, it's like fulfilling, especially you get, I'm 34, right? You get to 34, like, even if you're just into the sex, the relationship sex is much better, you know? Why is relationship better than hookup Because you get to know people. Like, you know the buttons and you can push all the buttons. You know what I mean? Like this is a debate I have that actually- It's like getting good Street Fighter- you know, you get you have the muscle memory. Yeah, you first start, going. you're just like, oh, punch, kick, whatever. Like, there's a three hit combo. You get to know somebody. You could, like, you could unleash like a sixty hit combo. <laughs> <laughs> but see, this is the theory that every time in a relationship that you're dating somebody, in the beginning, you have the like sex for twenty four hours, and you're having like such great time, and then you know you get to like month like five, six, and you're like, we don't fuck the way we used to. But I'm like, but we don't fuck the way we used to because it used to take like three hours to figure out how you gave you an <laughs> orgasm. Like now it can be like lightning speed. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like the last few women I've really, really dated. Yeah, like my my ex-fiance. I mean, like we went two years every single day and it never got boring. You know, maybe it got boring for her. It didn't get boring for me. But you, you still know. had like forever hour sex. How did you get anything done in life when you're fucking like, because if you're fucking like the first week you meet someone, yeah. like the reason you can't keep doing that is because you, you have a job. Yeah, no, so I, I don't have, <laughs> I don't have a job job. So that's one thing. So <laughs> that, that is don't have a this, job. The, the secret is to not have a job. <laughs> fuck I'm the homeless I'm man, the, you'll I, fuck yeah, forever. <laughs> I may be the worst guest for this show ever. Cause yeah, I don't have a job and I don't have a home. In, no, in that's like actually like my dream every time that I'm like, you have no like home and a job and all you do is have sex. Is, <laughs> you should know everything about sex. Yeah, no, when, when I'm off, when I'm, when, if I'm in a relationship and I'm not on the road, like, yeah, it's just, it's just sex and coffee and and then I, I write, you know, like yeah. I'll, I'll write by 10, you know, 10 a.m. I roll into the desk and I'm like writing. But I don't know. I was very productive. You know, I wrote I wrote two books. While in that relationship? Yeah. Well, the second well, one was yeah. after, right? The second one was I actually the second one I was writing. I actually turned in the first manuscript done when we were still together. And then that's why that book took so long, because. 
The Double Cup Love. The Double Cup Love. But that whole book is like about finding love. It's about finding love. And then we broke up. And then it uh-huh. was like, oh, ew, <laughs> ew. <laughs> and How do then, you feel about that now then? Yeah. And that was that book. Like, I thought that book was going to break me because it's like you wrote this book about finding love. I fell in love. I was engaged. And then a year and a half later, it fell apart. And I was like looking like I was staring at my old self in that book and it took me a long time to like let it go I didn't really change it that much it didn't change because it's it's still I was like I want to honor that I did fall in love Mm -hmm. and that that relationship was beautiful and I think that's important but um it was while I was upset and while the breakup was fresh it was hard to turn that book in Wow. So by the time that the book came out, then like you go on tour for it and you're just like, psych, I'm not with her anymore. Yeah. Well, I mean, I wrote that epilogue for New York Mag and and that came out and that was, that was really the one big change in the book. Nothing else changed. Like I had turned it in. Um, then we started having problems. It was weird, you know, so we break up in the book, but it doesn't really ruin the book because the book is about falling in love. The book is about also like letting go of race, letting go of stereotypes, letting go of expectations and like allowing yourself to fall in love. And Mm -hmm. I, I'm definitely a different animal from that after that relationship. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? In a good way? I think in a very good way because I jumped, I went for it. And I think to go for it once it took a lot out of me. And then the breakup, I really fell face first and I didn't know if I would like ever get back up. You know, what happened? You know, I'm down to talk about it actually. Um, it's gonna, it's gonna take me a second, but I have, I have never talked about it publicly, but I'm fine. Like I'm actually really happy to talk about it. So I will tell you about this. Um, what happened was, and I, mention it in the end of the book and in the epilogue, but I really feel like you come into this world connected, like to your mother through the umbilical cord, you're connected. Mm -hmm. And you meet a lot of people along the way, friends, family. But one day, like you have to walk out of this life alone. And I genuinely believe that. Um, When I was six, my grandfather committed suicide. And I remember the feeling of that in the home. Like I remember feeling like his spirit is gone. Mm -hmm. I remember sitting in the back of the car and like feeling lost and empty. And I was like, people die and they go away. And since I was six, I have like been aware of death and I've just been like, you got to be ready. And not in a sad way, not in a sad way. Uh Um, you know, in in a weird way, like I've always thought about it. And I was like, my grandfather, like he was ready to go and he went and he decided to go. And it didn't upset me that it was suicide. I was like happy that he was like, he could leave on. I I know so many people are going to hate me for saying this, but I, the way that I came to terms with it was I was like, he left on his own terms. He had pancreatic cancer, which was Uh really painful. And so I know, you know, there's, tons of literature about suicide prevention and it's not a positive thing, but for me, like to get through it as a kid and to be like, my grandfather's okay. I had to tell myself like he chose to go this way. And throughout my life, I've always been super connected to my parents and my brothers and my friends. And like, I hold everybody really close, Mm -hmm. but I know in the back of my head, like it's over at some point. And so since a young age, I would tell myself, what is it that you want to do on this earth before you go? What do you want to accomplish? And I always told myself, number one was I want to do the right thing. And as corny as this is, the number two was, I was like, I want to fall in love. Like, I want to know what love is. And I know that sounds so fucking corny. You're such a romantic. I am. I really, really am. And, And since I was a little kid, like, I just wanted to understand that. But I feel like, you at times like people want to be in love so bad or they want something like that, that they lie to themselves or they allow themselves to be lied to. And I definitely loved my ex fiance Mm -hmm. and I loved everything about her. And I feel like I, I know she loved me too, 
but I don't think she risked as much as me in the relationship. Like I would open up and talk about all of my feelings and stuff. Mm -hmm. She was kind of a little bit more guarded. Um, she was dope though at helping me with my life. Yeah. She was great and she loved to fix me, but Uh she didn't want to fix herself. And she was a jazz singer incredible singer. Like I'd heard her Mm -hmm. sing and not just cause I liked her, like this girl could fucking sing, Yeah, you know? And her friends all know she can sing. She went to Parsons. She did it big. And, you know, I remember when I first met her, she auditioned for sleep no more. Mm -hmm. And just off the first audition, she got the job in the lounge as the jazz singer. And I went and I saw her and she was awesome. But then she like quit like two days in, she quit. And she's like, I I, I don't want to do it. I'm it's not for me. And she kept avoiding it. And She was one of those people, like I meet people in life, they could do a number of things. It doesn't matter what they do. They're like, it's a job, a job is a job. This girl was like meant to sing. Yeah. This, it was her first love. It's her passion. That's what she was meant to do. But I met her at a time where she felt like burnt out and she felt like she wasn't good enough and she would not do it. Mm -hmm. And then she met me. And I think in a lot of ways, she allowed our relationship to distract her from her life's calling And Mm -hmm. that's when I kept telling her, I said, Hey, if we're going to do this, we're going to get married. Like you have to engage yourself. Like I love you and I'm here for you, but you're not here for yourself right now. And like, you're wallowing away. Like I work every day I come home, like you're on the beach, you're tanning, you're hanging out on the couch. You're not being productive. And it's not about making money, but it's like, you have a mission in this life. Like there's something that you need to do and you know what it is. And whether you're going to tell me or not, you need to do that. That's what broke you up. That's what broke us up because she wouldn't do it. And and I mean, how, um, do you mean like it's like she was unhappy and then it manifested into fights, or was it literally just like you need to be somebody who goes for stuff? And she's like, "That's not what I'm going to be." She was unhappy. Mm-hmm. She was super unhappy, and she'd talk to me about it, and she'd keep coming up with other things to do. And I supported her, like she wanted to do fashion, so we started a fashion line. We did yeah. Monica Monroe. Ended up like we designed it, we sold it. Ended up in Harvey Nichols. Was great. Yeah. But then she didn't want to continue it. And then I would help her get auditions at certain things. And it was, you know. But why does that make you break up? You you know, it's a good question. But for me, my thing was like, I don't know if you really love me because I may just be a substitute for what you need to be doing. Uh, At the end, she was like, why couldn't we just have kids and get married? And I knew I was like, so there you go. I was like we can't do that because you need to do what you need to do, you know? And we're super cool now. Like we still talk, we still email, we do not hang out, you know, Mm -hmm. we don't talk. We just email every three months. I'll get an email every three months. She'll get an email. And it's more to like check and see you're good. You're live. You're here. Cool. You know, but I, I loved her like a year after, you Uh know? And it was only about like six, seven months ago that I was like, I'm good. I mean, was there like a one person broke up with the other? No, it was a terrible breakup over the phone. Oh God. It was bad. It was like, it was over the phone. She got mad, got her stuff. And I never saw her cause I was on the road. Wow. Yeah. So the travel is like actually a key component in yeah, your like becoming single again. It was bad. Yeah. Like travel, travel, How long ago was this? travel broke it too, you know? And like, yeah. Um, yeah, you know, also I know I just told this story and, and I, it may sound like I'm putting on her, but like, it's also, I'm at fault too, I think, because, um, hmm. Well, it's interesting to me that you invoked the immediate, when I was like, what happened that you immediately invoked death and this like incredible life philosophy, like that suggests that there's something just extremely deep about like, what is your life outlook? What is the goal? Yeah. That's super philosophical. Yeah. Well, my (laughs) thing is, is that like, I genuinely wake up every day and I'm like, I'm kind of on a mission and I got to do some things. And so I think it was that when we lived together for a year and a half, I started to see like, wait, she doesn't wake up like on a mission. Uh She doesn't have that thing that like grips her to the core of the universe. Like I do, you know? And I started to realize that a lot of the times she would say, oh, I love this or I love what you're doing or yada, yada. I was like, I don't know if she's understanding it to that depth that I'm feeling these things. 
I'm a Pisces. You know what I mean? Like, what does that mean? I'm just Pisces. Just we feel shit on like fucking levels. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. See, people always Weird refer levels. to like horoscopes, and I you never listen, quite actually know, know that horoscopes. You, know, you have okay. to read your horoscope. Here's why. Do you read your I've horoscope. Been told. We're asking love, Alana, I'm, our producer, I'm how way, she reads. I'm so, way into horoscopes. I'm a Virgo, and I once was telling somebody oh, that I was like... Virgo's the opposite of Pisces. Really? Virgo's the total opposite. My, so was, my producer on Wong's World is a Virgo, and oh, we, really? like, we work very well together. So hopefully oh, this really? podcast is good. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me about how you date, because I first heard from you when you emailed after we did an episode about Raya. Yes. The, the um, elite members only <laughs> dating app that a won't let me in b mm-hmm. is kind of made for people like you because it doesn't geolocate which i find to be the most like elite and glamorous thing i can imagine that you're like we all jet sit everywhere yeah where are you located today i'm in zurich where well, are you i feel like you i'm in la be, i feel like you should be on raya you you you'd be very popular on yeah those raya. fuckers know i want to be yeah. on it by the but hour. They, they probably they probably <laughs> just don't want you on because they know you're going to talk about it you well, know duh. but I'll, I'll talk about it it's fine <laughs> Quick aside, Eddie and I are obsessed with Raya in part because the first time we ever got in touch was after my episode about Raya, which was with Vogue sex columnist Carly Shirtino, during which Carly accused Raya of being racist. I went on an epic rant about Asian male sexuality, and like two days later, Eddie sent an email with the subject line, dude, with six exclamation points afterwards, to my editor and former co-host David Wallace-Wells with his own sort of epic rant about Raya, at which point we began the idea that he should come on the show and tell us about his sex life. So is that what works for you? What works for you when you're dating? You know what works for me is New York. I love New York dating. Yeah. Like, New York dating is it for me. Like, I also, being in Los Angeles, like, good luck. You know, like, I'm just, I don't work in Los Angeles. I love my friends in Los Angeles. I love the food. I think the food is better in LA, Uh but like the dating doesn't, the dating doesn't work for me there. Why? Because you have to like schedule everything. Because you know why? People in LA can't just like bar crawl. No, it's like, we will meet at X spot at this time on this day in three weeks. (laughs) You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. So I'm like, like, and I have uh, to park my car there. And then I, New York, I'm back here. And like, literally I just get texted all the time. What's up? Where are you at? Hey, are you at the crib? You know what I mean? So I'm like, I, yeah. it's just, things just happen, you know, and New York works for me. And I like that. I like mm-hmm. spontaneity. I like that. I don't know who I'm going to see the next day. Like New York is dope, but I do use Raya. Raya's cool because especially I'm in the van a lot. Like yeah. in Peru, we'll be driving hours. Mm-hmm. And so I have a little Wi-Fi thing. And like, what else? I've read the New York Times front to back. I can't read it again. So I'm like, let me just go on Raya. So I'm on Raya all the time when I'm on the road. Because it's fun. You don't you need know? like a video game because you have Raya. Yeah, but then it's really weird. Because I'm like, how, how are they setting me up with people when I'm in Peru? You know, or I'm in like Cape Cod or I'm in Hawaii. So, so do you actually meet up with the people you meet in Raya? Yeah, I've met up with a lot of people from Raya. And you're just like, bad. I guess we'll, we'll both, <laughs> I guess we'll both boo in Cape Cod at the same time. Yeah. You, or do they like fly out to meet you? Are they that glamorous? You know who, you know who is, it's, it's, this is a funny thing. The ones <laughs> that'll fly DM you, the ones that want to fly DM you, the ones in the Instagram DM. So there's multiple sources here. Yes. It's Raya, it's Instagram DMs. But for the most part, like it, that's all fun. Like I always all respond or whatever. The girls are always cute about it. But I like to meet people in New York, like on a street, through friends. Like that's still my preferred method. Okay, I want to talk about that. the episode you talked about, you're like, people go to bars to like, that are already on Tinder dates, right? Oh no. I was like, I still go to bars and meet random people. Yeah. If you're careful, there's a moment when um, Carly Shirtino, who the Vogue sex columnist, was like, who the fuck goes to a bar to pick up dudes? And if you listen carefully, I go, me. But then he like moves on quick. No, I'm all down for that. The dude I'm dating now, I fucking rolled up on a bar two hours after dumping another guy. Wow. wow. More specifically, he rolled up on me and I was like, dude, no. No. Okay, fine. And just like went for it. And then I was like, ooh, that kind of worked. Yeah. No, but my dating life is weird because there's a lot of like incoming business, so to speak. But like, it's not what I prefer. Wait, incoming business being like Instagram chicks rolling or up Snapchat, on you. Wait, how does you know? that work? How does a woman hit on you via? Because you always hear about this also that they're like, you met her on Instagram and then she showed up and she was only 50. How does yeah, a person well, see, even that DM sounds you on Instagram? Like meeting on Instagram, that sounds like nicer. Like maybe you guys were in the comments playing with each other. Mine Instagram is more just somebody squatted in front of a mirror and took a photo, you know? <laughs> 
and DM'd it to you? Yeah, because if I'm in a city, it'll just, you know, we're in a city, then you'll just start to get photos of people squatting in front of mirrors. Like, I'm next to you. What? So, yeah, that happens. <laughs> but, and then you're like, come chill? You we just always, said that those have turned yes, into hookups, we, my yes, friend. we do. I, I do. I'm like, come chill, come hang out. This will be funny. But honestly, because it's entertaining. It's funny. Yeah, it's fun course. for her. It's fun for me. It's fun for the crew. Like, they end up on the shoot sometimes. It's funny. Oh. Yeah. We're oh, very, you need to watch pretty carefully <clears throat> for nice. your Instagram. I mean, do you identify them as this is the Instagram honey? Or you're just like, we're partying? No, no I'm nice about it. And at any given never, moment, I the never... Instagram honey could be in the background. That's like, that's a fun Easter egg. Yeah, no, I'll never... For watches of Huang's world, you look know, for the Instagram honey. I'm never like, oh, this girl's from Instagram. I'm more like, hey, <laughs> I'm shooting. If you want to come hang out, come hang out or whatever. But like, I can... I think I'm only hooked up with like three to five people from Instagram. And that's over like two years. That's not too bad. Yeah, that's pretty I think good. That's I good. mean, I've never that's hooked nice. up with someone from Instagram. I think my Instagram doesn't work that way. I never yeah. get squatted in front of a mirror Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> you, we get that. It's funny. It's funny. Raya, I've actually, let me see. I dated someone for a few. Yeah. I, Raya, I've like ended up dating like two people off of Raya short term. Uh-huh. You know, while I was like in a city for a month. That makes sense. Yeah. Do you think that, because the Raya, we were discussing that in the context of race. Do you think that how like that race plays out for you, either A, in your dating life and B, online in particular? Yeah. So I have, it's, it's, I have, there's me and there's like two of my black friends Mm -hmm. and there's a a couple of the girls that I've matched on Raya are like, you're the only Asian guy I've seen and your two black friends are the only two black guys I've seen. And I was like, wow, they're really not letting us in there, you know? But I don't know, like maybe other people are getting different ones, but I've been yeah. told it's for Asian dudes, it's me and I think one other guy who I cannot <laughs> remember. You literally couldn't figure it out and name him if you wanted to. Yeah, she named him. I could not remember who it was, but. What does yeah. that just mean you're the only like down to fuck Asian male celebrities, according to Raya? I think so. I have no, or just up to their standards, you know, I think I, I enjoy, I enjoy yeah. the Raya thing. It's whatever. Fun, I but mean, it's that's, like, that's one thing. But it's then definitely also... racially fucked up. Cause also like all I get are Becky's. Do you know what oh, I mean? Yeah. Like I'm always scrolling through, like if there is a person of color, like I'll always like it because I'm like, please, your algorithms should send me more of these. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, cause I'm like, not, not like more of these like product, but it's more like I'm trying to meet people that have, you know, similar experiences and can understand the things that I'm talking about as opposed to yes. just like Becky's. You talked about, well, you wrote about the idea of dating and race and dealing with that and double cup love. Do you, do you feel like you want to particularly date people who are of color or I don't know? I think I, I want to date people that are aware of race, Yeah, you know, and I definitely do think that being of color gives you an experience and ability to understand on a deeper level than somebody not of color. And mm. it, that's, I think that's just a fact, you know, it's, it's very difficult to understand race if you have never been the other, or you've never been different. Um, mm-hmm. Traveling abroad can help, you yeah. know, dating another person um, of color can help. And sometimes, you know, I have met white women that I've dated that, you know, care about equality and justice in these things as much as I do. And they really try. And I think that's dope, you know? Yeah. Um, but there is still a chasm between understanding and caring and being. When did you discover sex? Like sex, like humping the couch or like sex, like actual sex with a human being? Either way. Let's go back to like, like when did no, you, do you I have was, like at your earliest like moment that you're like, oh, that's something. I always tell a joke. You remember like, you remember Ghostface had that song, I think it's Child's Playing Interlude. He's like, yeah, sometimes, you know, you, you, you meet a girl at school, you give her that candy and then you go home, you hump the couch to her sometimes. And I was like, whoa, I'm not a weirdo. Cause I definitely hump the couch ghost. <laughs> Like, cause I don't know, like, I think I was like 12 or something and I had a boner and I was like, how do you get rid of this thing? And I fucking humped the couch. So that's probably the first time. And it worked. Like, like the first time you masturbated, humping a couch? I humped a couch. In a state of confusion? I humped a fucking couch. Was it a good couch? Was it a soft couch? <laughs> no, <laughs> it was an old now? couch that my parents, this is how cheap my parents are. They had, We had an old ass couch. They got a new couch, but they didn't want to throw it away. So they put the couch in my room and it was just like a couch surrounding my bed. <laughs> <laughs> 
You had like a bounce castle in your room. Yeah, then. it's a bounce castle in my room. So I was, of course, you're gonna hump the couch. The, Where else? It are you was gonna the go? humping couch. I was yeah. like, I'm not gonna hump my bed. I'll hump the couch. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know that it was sex at that point? No, I just knew that I was like, oh, wow, I made egg drop soup on the fucking couch. <laughs> oh, so that's this a good was, answer. This is my that. first encounter with sex. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Those are the days right there. Boston baked beans, girls come to school with mad candy. You know what I mean? You just come to school on half a days and all that just to see that little girl right there. My mind's to just go home and think about it, you know what I mean? May hump the bed sometime on her, you know what I mean? Word. Those days, man, those, those are the good old days right there, G. That's when did you lose your virginity? I was 19. I was, yeah. I was a little older. Yeah, uh-huh. a little older. I was not comfortable with my body. Oh. I was always chubby, husky, you know, I was the only Asian kid. And then, like, you know, all my friends told jokes, so I was just like, yeah, like, no girl would like this. And it was funny because I went out on a lot of dates in high school and yeah. like a few girls asked me to prom and I was like, I was kind of shy about it. I was not kind of, I was very shy about it. So like, did you, would you go out with them when they asked I you I would out? go out with them and stuff. And then I remember the first time I made out was because a girl stole my keys and put them down her shirt. And she's like, you're going to make out with me. And I was like, all right, cool. And it was mad fun. And I enjoyed it. <laughs> Plus, my my dad beat the shit out of me as a kid. You know what I mean? And, like, my mom's, you know, I love them. And I'm over it. And I've written about it. And I'm not going to harp on it. But when I was a kid, I was not comfortable in my body. So you think... So that sort of sense of your body or, I don't know, physical intimacy was... Like, do you think that bled into the way you physically interacted with women? Yeah, but it it has been a good thing because I've never thought of myself, like as attractive or whatever. And I think it's like humbling and I -hmm. don't know, I like who I am. You know, like I like who I am now, but I've never been like, I think I look good. I've always been like, I look like garbage, you know? So (laughs) what a strange and magical process it is that a woman wants to touch this. Yeah. Wow. A wonderful surprise every time. You want this garbage. The story of Eddie's first kiss is actually in Fresh Off the Boat. Luckily, Eddie did the audible narration for his own book, so I'm just going to play it now, and you can pretend that I was engaged enough to have elicited as good a telling of the story as he did in his own damn book. The next day, Brandy stepped up. I like you, and I'm taking your keys. Oh, really? Yeah, come get them later. And she put them down her shirt. Even a goony goo like me knew how it was going to go down. I have to say, I was pretty fucking excited and happy that the first time I'd see titties live and in person would be so premeditated. I had hours to think about it, prepare for it, visualize all the fantastic things I'd do to those titties. After dinner, we snuck off and went to her room. We made out for a few minutes and then she took her shirt off. But, so when yeah. you did have sex then at 19, like you obviously had a pretty clear concept of what sex was, I'm guessing, by then. Yeah, or did I you? definitely did. I did. And I, you know what? I like, I met this girl. I really liked her. She was dope. I trusted myself with her. I trusted yeah. her. And, you know, I was like, fantastic. And she knew it was your virginity? Yeah. I feel like there's this like chasm between when you lose your virginity and you don't fully understand what sex is while you're losing it. Yeah. And it's like this like strange, alarming when I talk to people that lost their virginities, when they already had a pretty strong sense of what it was, and they like communicated, we're like, I haven't done this before. Do I trust you? Yeah. It seems like such a healthier way of like, I'm pretty sure I just straight up like didn't even understand like what my vagina was. Yeah, I was open about it. Like, you know, shorties, like, like shorties in college knew I had not had sex, you know, because I was, my thing is, even though I was not comfortable with my body, I was confident like as a man. Yeah. Like I knew I was a man. You know, yeah. you know? <laughs> I was like, because I could always fight, you know what I mean? And like, I was always funny. And I was confident in my, like, mind and things uh-huh. like that. So I didn't mind telling people because girls would ask, you know, you're, like, 18 in college. Girls would ask, yeah. like, um, oh, you know, you're a virgin or whatever. And I was, yeah, I am. You know, like, I'm just not comfortable yet. <laughs> and oh, my gosh. That's so evolved. <laughs> it was funny. And, like, there was definitely a few girls that, like, wanted to take it off me. And I was like, this is mine. Like, you know what? Like, when I want to have sex, I'm going to have sex. And my homies thought I was the weirdest fucking dude ever. Good for you. You know, but I was like, nah, I definitely think I would lose a piece of myself if I, like, fucked you in a closet. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not doing that. So I waited. I met a nice girl from Taiwan and, like... 
you know, it was cool. It was like on like a birthright trip. Oh yeah, because they yeah. do the what, what is the birthright in Taiwan? Like, Taiwan called? is like, called Love Boat. What is called Love Boat? Yeah, it's like you go back and you like go back to your home country and you meet other kids that are like born in America that are Taiwanese and it was cool. They call it. So is it like also like you're supposed to fall in love with another Taiwanese person? Or like, you fall in love that's kind of like what the parents want you to do. And for the first <laughs> time, I did what my parents wanted me to do. <laughs> but no, it was, you know what? It, I didn't even want to go on the trip. Like yeah. I would have rather stayed in Orlando at the time with my boys and just yeah. went wild. But um, no, I went back. My parents made me go. I was on like probation at the time. I was in trouble. Mm-hmm. And um, what were you in probation for? Assault. I was, I, I, I got in a fight at school. Uh, it's in the first book. <laughs> damn it. <laughs> I was waiting for that moment that I was like, I'm going to ask, but. Yeah. No, so like, but. Are you I, allowed to go to Taiwan even though you're on probation? Yeah, they made an exception. My PO was really cool. I had a really That's cool nice. PO. She was dope. And um, she was funny. She would like come visit me in class sometimes. <laughs> she was like, you doing okay? But no, I had a great PO. And then uh, <laughs> I went to Taiwan and what? Yeah, I did not. It, it wasn't even until that trip that I realized how many issues with race and identity that I had. Yeah. And it really unraveled there. And I was like more comfortable with myself than ever there. And I was like, cool, word, I'm ready. Let's do this. I should stop humping couches. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that's so poetic. That's like exactly what everyone tells all teenagers to do is like, wait till you feel good about yourself. Yeah. Meet someone nice. Get in touch with your roots. <laughs> yeah. And I think I think it's been good for me, you know? Yeah. I've, I... I, I yeah, sometimes I look back and I'm like, damn, I probably should have done that in high school or something, you know, but <laughs> I'm good. You know, I don't really feel like I missed out. I feel good about what I did. One thing, so you talk about, obviously, about family. And I noticed in your book and in sometimes the way you talk about women, you sort of look at them in terms of this woman is like dating my mother, but a hot one. Or I don't know. Do you do you think of relationships in terms of your family a lot? Or like when you're meeting a lady, do you automatically put it in that? I definitely used to. For a large part of my life, if anyone resembled my mom, I ran. <laughs> She's amazing. My mom yeah. is the greatest mom ever. Mm-hmm. Um, if my goal was just to like find the perfect person to like have and raise kids with, I would go looking for something like my mom. Yeah. But like, I, I would like to enjoy the latter half of my life. So no, <laughs> I would not seek out something like my mom. My mom was on my dad's ass every single day. Like I saw her throw a pot boiling water at my dad. Oh my God. You know, I mean, he did other yeah. things too. So they're, yeah, they're yeah, both yeah. bad. They're both, they were both. Yeah. It's not a relationship. You're It's not a model relationship. Model. No. They, they're incredible now. They're really cute now. Yeah. Everybody loves them. They love each other. But like, it took a lot of work to get there. There is, yeah. What do you think of, because you always hear that sort of idea that people are like either doomed to like replicate their parents' relationships so that you model your, the way your relationships are based on what you saw from your parents. Do you think that's the case? I would, I model myself after my dad in business. He mm-hmm. was a really good businessman and like a fair one, meaning not good like he made a ton of money, but good in that he was fair. Yeah. Like he was way ahead of his time in terms of like the people he would hire. It was like extremely diverse, extremely multicultural, all types of different lifestyles in the restaurant. He was cool with everybody. He would like go to, you know, if there was a guy that played in a band or a girl that played tennis, like he'd go to their events and things. Like he was an incredible boss. Mm-hmm. Like I really, really learned a lot from my dad. You know, my dad was a generous dude. He'd always be like, be a giver, not a taker. Yeah. And so I model myself after him on the basketball court too. Like I passed the ball a lot. But as a dad too, I think my dad's incredible. But as mm-hmm. a husband is the one place where I like feel like he wasn't that fire, you know? Did you did you always think that? Or is that I something did. like as you've grown up? I always thought that as a kid. Yeah. I always thought that as a kid. He was a great dude all around. But I th- I felt like... I felt like he wasn't mature enough and ready for my mom. And I don't think Mm -hmm. he was fully ready to be married when he was. How young were they when they met? My mom was like, my mom was like 19 or 20. And I think my dad was like 27 or something like that. That is so mind blowing. Yeah. I think. Oh God, can you imagine being 19? I I just remember as a kid looking at it and being like, this can't be love. (laughs) You know what I mean? But now it is. Yeah. Now it is, but it's kind of late for me to like see them in that way. That's kind of interesting. At what point were you like, I think they are in love now. Oh, like last year. 
<laughs> you know, and they know this, you know, something like kind of magical about that, though, about the way a relationship changes over the idea that you can be not in love with your husband and fall in love with him. Yeah. Um, I think it's after my dad retired mm-hmm. and there wasn't business in the way. My mom put a lot of pressure on my dad with business. And I think my dad for a long time felt like does she love me because I'm good at business or, you know, is it unconditional? Like it didn't always feel like unconditional love with my mom. Mm-hmm. And I think my dad struggled with that, you know, cause my dad is a romantic, yeah. you know? Um, and my mom didn't understand why I couldn't understand. So, you know, like I think they're a mess and they'll be mad if they hear this, but I, I've always thought they were a mess. And from a very young age, I told myself, I was like, I don't think they know what they're doing. So I'm going to have to depend on myself and take care of my brothers. Uh-huh. You know, so I put a lot of pressure on myself that way. It's amazing. Do you, and then on top of that, then being like, and I will find love someday. Yeah. One day I'm going to do this right. You know? Yeah. Do you feel like to feel like you've done that, that you've fallen in love and had love? Do you feel like you need to have somebody here with for life? Or do you feel like you've done it? Like you've been in love? I feel like I've done it. I know it was real. Yeah. Um, I questioned it a lot and I definitely beat myself up over it and told myself it wasn't real. Nah, it was, it was definitely real. Even like when I just email her, she emails me. It's like, Hey, you know what I mean? It's over. It's dead. But it's like, you remember, you know what I mean? Like it, it was real. She was here. She was in the building. Isn't it weird that we always question later, was it real or not? But like, if you felt it in the moment, isn't that the definition that like, what's a fake feeling? Yeah. Feelings I think, are whatever they are. They're yeah. Just, it's fucked up. To they're not tangible it. in the first place. Like it's, they're already made up. We made them up in our heads. Yeah. It's super fucked up. And I think, you know, I was trying to say it earlier is I, I fucked up in our relationship because I questioned whether she loved me. And like, mm-hmm. that's my fault. You know, I think it's her fault for not involving herself like in the relationship more, I think it's her fault. She didn't open up and like pursue what she really wanted to, which she is now, but it's my fault for questioning if she loved me. That's definitely on me. And -hmm. like, I would never make the mistake again, you know, but like young man, you live and you learn. Would you get back together with her? You're just talking about her so romantically. Really? I don't even Uh, know this woman. That's the most most depressing because like, you know, people say that, but no, I don't, I don't think we could. I don't no. think I actually don't believe I back don't, together with people. I, here's the thing. I know for <laughs> sure we could never be back together because I'm, I'm just, I'm a lot more intense. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I really am a lot more intense. I don't think she would want to be with someone as intense as me. And I don't think I would want to be with someone as like, la di da, la di da. And that's mm. Annie. She like, our relationship is literally Annie Hall. She's a jazz singer. Moved out to LA. Oh, you're Woody Allen? Yeah, I basically Gross. wanted her in like adult education classes. Like, you know, no, I'm not like Woody Allen in that way, but in Annie I Hall. I should go Woody Allen and Soon <clears throat> Yi. But say Alvy Singer. Instead of <laughs> Wait, Woody so Allen, let's say Alvy Singer because the, the character. Is there like a. I have no idea. I think there's like a smoke alarm detached here or something like that. Are we going to go on fire soon? No, we're okay. good. It's just here. It's, it's okay, a good. house under renovation. Anyways, whoops. Sorry. Where were we? Oh, we're talking about. Whoa. No, I'm saying Alvy Singer. You've seen Annie Hall. No. It's, you've never seen it? Oh my God. Annie Hall might be the first Asian American film ever. <laughs> like the way he acts in the relationship. What? I'm like, dude, you're an Asian American. <laughs> this is so loaded. I know it's, it's a joke. It's like, he's it's neurotic. Woody. He's neurotic. No, I know. I understand. Uh, I understand. Know. It's a joke. Yeah. But then he ended up marrying his like teenage Asian and adopted daughter. No real life. I'm talking Alvy Singer. I'm talking the movie. I can't break the it movie. up. I didn't grow up with a good enough understanding of televised fiction. Yeah. I can't divide See, it. I, my thing is I fell in love with Annie Hall, Manhattan, Banana, Sleeper, uh-huh. Hannah and her sisters, all before all this stuff came out. And then now I'm like, terrible, terrible, terrible. There's something about, but I, I like Woody films. Allen movies that Woody Allen isn't in. If I have to look at his face too much, I just can't deal with it. Because really I just see like that him. face and I just like, ugh. I, I can't. I'm a huge fan. Anyways. I'm a huge fan. I know probably I shouldn't be, but I'm going to be honest. That's just one of those I'm things that like you can't change about yourself. That's much like if you don't it. like the way licorice tastes, you're never going to like, like it. I know I should if not Woody like. Woody Allen's face freaks you out. It's never going to not freak you out. Yeah. And it's like, you know, I'm supposed to not like R. Kelly or Woody Allen. And as human beings, like I understand that. But like yeah. I bump and grind is my song. Like that's my karaoke song. Like I can't. I don't know what I'm going to do <laughs> if I can't sing that song at karaoke boho. 
I need that song. I also hate karaoke. <laughs> this is how we know I'm whiter than I am Asian, right? <laughs> oh, you don't like karaoke? I hate karaoke. Oh, I find oh. it like a difficult experience. Well, I don't experience. like your podcast. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Too bad you're on it. All right. We already recorded it. I still haven't watched Annie Hall. And just to further enrage Eddie and all those other like Woody Allen fanatical men in my life, I'm never watching fucking Annie Hall. I've also never watched the Godfather trilogy, and I also categorically refuse to watch that just because everyone says I have to watch it before I die. If I ever watch the Godfather trilogy, it's because I literally think I'm about to die, and I'll be like, okay, everyone said I have to do this before I'm dead, so here it is. (laughs) Do you have any deal breakers with relationships? What if, like, you meet a chick and she's like, I never put penises in my vagina? That yeah, if I can't put my penis in your vagina, like we probably can't date. What if she's just like, I just don't suck dick? That might be a deal breaker. Hmm. That might be, I've, I've never, that's, I've, this never occurred. God bless, thank you. The universe has never happened to me, but like, no, that, that would probably be a deal breaker. I'm also in the butt, like, I'm in the big butts, but mm-hmm. I realized, like, I, you know, this was a very big moment in my life. I was mature enough to date someone that didn't have a big butt because I liked her <laughs> more than I like butt. So that was big. <laughs> Baby, I love big. you love more than I love I a giant ass. I love you ass. more than I like giant ass. Like, I thought that was a big breakthrough moment for me. It's <laughs> a breakthrough. What, did you have a nice ass, though? No. Um. <laughs> it was, it's it was beautiful. It was, no, it was no ass. <laughs> and, you know, I've, I have a couple girlfriends that they liked her, too, and they try to be like, she got it. Like, it's, it's the, like, stop. Like, stop. Like, let's call a spade a spade. But that, you love her. There's no butt. There's no butt there. I'm giving it up. But like, this is no. your Chinese honesty. You're like, there's the cute kid. Yeah, there's, there's a cute the kid. Butt. There's a girl with no butt. You yeah, know, you, she was. But you live with it. No butt. Yeah, I lived with it. It was all right. Okay, wait. Here's a question I have that I always survey people that are really into ass. Yeah. Are you into butt sex or you're just into the ass? Okay, I'm definitely a bit of a conquistador where it's like if we're dating, like I need to go there and know that I went there. But like, unless <laughs> you enjoy it, because I don't like to really. A lot of girls like it. Yes. You know, that, that's their thing. And so if that's your thing, like I'm in there, you know what I mean? <laughs> but I'm in there. I'm in there regardless. I find my way in there regardless. <laughs> I, I do have a talent for that. And, okay. and, and so it, it is funny. Um, I, I usually get in there pretty early, but if they're not into it, then I'm not going to push it. You know what I mean? So your love of ass is not related to the asshole it's just no the ass. it's just the ass it's just like it's just the ass it's more like the grips i like good grips <laughs> what's the worst thing that can happen during sex what's the worst <laughs> i've had some funny stuff happen like what but nothing's that worst like it's always okay, what's kind of funny okay, what's the my thing, thing i have a sense of humor and i'm usually yeah. pretty funny about shit so you it's have like to be able to laugh funny. how can you not laugh during sex it's an inherently funny thing. Like we're I like mean, grunting and I, acting like animals. Nothing grosses me out either. It's always kind of be smells. Smells gross me out. I don't like. Well, like, aren't all the worst things that happen during sex having to do with a bad have, smell? Some have smells associated. Some, but like, I don't mind a bad smell. I don't like. I don't mind a strong. Some are bad smells. I've had some bad smells, but like. <laughs> <laughs> Elaborate. Funny, funny stuff happens, and it never. It doesn't really turn me off. It just cracks me up. And like, if she like doesn't lose her confidence, like I love it. I love someone that can like, like laugh what? at themselves. Have you like shit yourself during sex? No, I have not shit myself during sex. What? But it's, That's okay. probably the worst thing that so, can happen. You're being like mean, bad you know, smells. You're making times, faces. Right, right, Let's hear it. A lot of times if you, you have, eat weird food. A lot of times if, if, you know, you have anal sex or whatever and yeah. you know, you come inside. A little poop comes out. Yeah. So sometimes... I've never had the poo-poo platter, but <laughs> a couple of times it's been funny. Like the girl will be like, oh, that was good. And like right on cue, like she accidentally farts come out of her ass. And I'm like, Dad, I'm dead. I'm dead. Right now I'm fucking dead. Well, it's got to come out. Too, I know. But it's like, oh, that was good. Like <laughs> the timing, like the timing so incredible. I'm like, did Groucho Marx just write your butthole? Like that was fucking incredible. But yeah, that always, that gets me every time. That one. Or the like... <laughs> A lot of, like, sometimes girls, you know, like, of course, you know, girls, sometimes they want you to, like, come on their face or whatever. Yeah. So I always all oblige. But I'm not the one that would be like, I want to come on your face. I kind of feel bad. It's funny. And my my friends laugh at me for it because I've mm-hmm. talked. I'm like, yo, she, like, 
she wanted me to come on her face and I came and then I said, I'm sorry. And he's like, that's not what she wants. That's not what she wants. You just ruined it for her. Now she feels like a whore. And I'm like, but I'm sorry. I feel bad. And all the time, I'm, I'm terrible at it. They'll be like, come on my face. I come on their face. Oh, and then I'm like, face. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm so sorry. Can I get you tissue? I'm sorry. And then they'll laugh and I'm like, yes, it's okay. <laughs> and I always think that's a funny moment. And I'm like, they're like, can I get you a, can I get you something? And like, I'm good. Like, please leave me alone in my moment. Like, I just I'm need not this on my it. face. Come on faces is just like, I'm like, ah, I like put on cute makeup for you. Like you really want to mess this shit up. Yeah. It hurts so bad in your eye too. It Ooh, really hurts. I, I had no idea. Have you ever tasted your own jizz? No, no. Why? No. I do not understand that but men girl, freak out over recently this. somebody, How a, can a you few not times. Taste it? No, I've never, I will never taste it. You're not it. even curious? No. No. Dude, you've eaten the semen of other animals. I have seen you on your TV I did. show I did. eating like I did. the sand. I don't even know whose semen. You've eaten the semen of so many animals, I yeah. can't even keep track. But I've been told, I've been told Tuna two things. Salmon? Either they're like, it has a jasmine flavor. <laughs> and, I'm like, and I'm like, bitch, you racist. But the other one Do you is. You eat a lot of jasmine rice? No, I think there's just like, it's like tea. I'm like, weird. You, I mean, either you really like jizz or you really like my jizz. But then otherwise, I just get like, it tastes like nothing. They're like, I like you because it tastes like nothing. Because it's neutral. Uh, mine is neutral or jasmine. That's that's what I get. You know, that's one of feedback. my one of my guy friends was telling me at the end. See, of this it, line of questioning's gotten good. No, this, this is getting good. Now, Let's now keep doing can... this. <laughs> this dude was talking to me, and he's like, you know, I know I was like, keep going. Um, yeah, every, everyone in this room is freaking out, other than Eddie and I, who are just into out. this. Not freaking um, out. We're just. I know this is an OSHA violation for 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 Julianne and Alana right now, but <laughs> this guy I know was telling me. He's like, I was like, he was like, I knew I was like, I'd gone too far in my bender because like I got a blowjob from this chick and afterwards she like swallows and she stops. She goes, how much have you been drinking? Oh my God. <laughs> he just tasted like old granddad. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like I've heard there's some bad, there's some bad jizz out there. It's like jizz is not all created equal. I think it's really just about when someone's super dehydrated. Like probably you're really hydrated, which is why it tastes I like nothing. Hydrated. It tastes like water. I've drank three cups of water since you came. Yeah. Or if you're too de- too hydrated with tea, I guess it treats like you say some jasmine. jasmine. Yeah. <laughs> just drink a lot Maybe of jasmine tea. Maybe that's the trick. Maybe I should start drinking like just all grape vitamin water. No, I don't think but, grape. Oh, your jizz is like grape soda. <laughs> Now that'd be real gross and jizz. Oh, you know what's exactly like jizz? Have you um have you ever tasted in in <laughs> I know I'm trying to figure out how to get you to taste jizz without you literally. I'm never gonna taste jizz for the record. Never, ever, ever. Well you ever. didn't wait, have you eaten you've eaten I animal ate the jizz whale, though? I ate the, the, the tuna sperm, which was disgusting. Why? So I watched that episode and why did it look like a, it looked, it looked like, like fresh mozzarella or something. Like you're like slicing it. Yeah, it looked like the handle of like a khaki tote bag. It was it was bad. Why was it solid? <laughs> I have I have no idea. <laughs> what did it, it was taste some like? Weird fucking... Describe what it tastes like and okay. tell you if it tastes like human jizz. It tastes like the essence of the ocean, like it ba- ocean babies. Okay, like, that's not what human jizz tastes like. <laughs> no, it was like salty ocean water that could birth other oceans. It was huh. terrible. It was terrible. But isn't that what people say when they like love seafood that they're like it's the taste of the ocean? That's a little too much oh, intimacy. Oh, it's so with the much ocean more intense. It's like okay, so if you like boiled down oyster water and then also probably poured tuna sperm in it, that's what it. T- it was bad. It was <laughs> fucking bad. Like literally, everyone's gag reflex was terrible. Do you eat it like on a cracker? or You just eat it. I can't. I think we put it on bread with olive oil. It, it, it there's it there there was no use. It didn't help. Like you could put it on pizza. It just drowns it in ocean sperm. So the one like food thing that truly tastes exactly like jizz is that um. So there's this drink in Mexico from um called pulque. Have you ever had pulque? It's, oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like the it's like moonshine from agave, and the deal is that like some guy goes to the agave plant, and puts a straw in, and like sucks them out, and then spits it out, and it ferments, and it's fermenting like with his stomach juice, other stuff, and it's really viscous, slightly fermented, and it's really sour, or it's like a little bit sour, and it literally tastes like jizz and vomit mixed together, or it's like stomach acid plus jizz. So if you've drinking pulque, have you had pulque? No. Have pulque, and you'll know exactly what it tastes like if you were to swallow jizz and then like vomit back up. I'm positive it would I, taste like pulque. I this might honestly I, be too gross to put in, even with like the. Alana, can we get a confirmation on this pulque? I, I, have you had pulque, Alana? No, I can't find confirmation, but I'm really intrigued now. I went and had it, and that was like the first thing I said when I was in this. Like, I went to this town that was um, 
this town on a mountain, maybe like two hours out of Mexico City. And on the top is um, a temple to like the Aztec god of like alcohol. And so everybody's like, has it there? And I take one sip. And I was like, this is like if I vomited jizz. And everybody's like, what? And then this whole guy who like gave it to me was like, you know why it tastes like that? And he's like, because it's um, fermented with like the stomach acid of the man who like pulled it out and spit it out because his saliva's oh. in it. <laughs> oh. I'm literally oh, just describing wow. food. And the grossest thing that happened ever on this podcast was that I described food. I'm going to purposely not go to Mexico for an episode because I know if I go, someone's going to make me drink that. You night. have to drink pulque. Oh, God. Oh, God. All right. oh. Well, huh. Huh. <laughs> Can't do it. That's a deal breaker. Do you care about how vaginas taste? I do care. Yeah. I do care. You're like, this is a finely delicious vagina. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's some really good ones out there, but like, there's also some not so fire ones. As a person whose like taste buds are part of your career, yeah, do you feel it, like you have like a fine connoisseurship of vagina taste? I think so. I think so. You can also kind of like, I, I do the check for the smell thing, and I'm like, I, I know what this dish is going to be. Much like you're like, <laughs> I can smell that this bottle of yeah. wine is corked without even tasting it. Yeah. I don't need to drink yeah, it. Yeah, 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 ah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. What does a fine vagina taste like? Um. Mm, like a sunburst tomato. What? Are you serious? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Because well, never in like texture or in no, no, taste? no, like in flavor. Like huh. it's like a sunburst tomato. You know those little tomatoes? Yeah, yeah sunburst tomato. Huh. Yeah. Good to know. I think so. I you would never, never tried compare one? to vagina. I have tried vagina, but it didn't taste like a sunburst tomato. I don't know if it was. You got yeah. You probably got. I haven't the, hit uh, the good vaginas you yet. You got the durian. <laughs> 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 the king of vaginas, the dirty. <laughs> uh, I think now we've got. I think it. we got, got it. I think you got it. Dirty you needed stuff. like some Maureen content. In yeah, there. And she was like, "This like... motherfucker's into love." Fuck, like I want you to drink poke. <laughs> <laughs> I know we've got the, the chef connoisseur of vagina. Yeah, I think we hit every single thing we need to do. Yeah. Well, thank you to our guests. <laughs> thank you, Alana. Thank you to Eddie Huang. Thank you, so, Maureen. And a reminder that listeners can reach us at 646-494-3590. Eddie, what do you want them to call in and tell us about? I would, I would love some feedback. I would love <laughs> right, some just feedback. give us feedback on your thoughts and feelings about Eddie Huang. <laughs> <laughs> do you think his jizz really tastes like jasmine yeah. or is that a racist lie? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what it's is tough. pulque really like uh, so yeah give us a call that's 646-494-3590 if you like what you hear rate and review us on iTunes Sex Lives is produced by Afim Shapiro and Alana Milner thanks also to Laura Mayer and Andy Bowers at Panoply see you next week Panoply? Panoply that's the name oh, of I thought you said Pandaply. Pandaply. Like, oh, cool. that can be your podcast network oh, good. Uh, Panoply right. thank you uh, see you next week and thanks for listening Woo. Awesome. Is there anything else Thank you need you, from Solana? Good. Yeah. Good. Good. That was fun. Oh my God. I was so afraid we're just going to have a whole episode. This is my favorite podcast. Love. You know that. This is my favorite Really? <laughs>